Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. Speaking of uh, of super odd and some comforting yet terrifying stuff, uh, have you, uh, I probably know the answer, but have you checked out any uh, Unstable yet? Uh, I bought one pack. Okay. Um, I didn't do any of the drafts or anything. I just been, you know, at, uh, if, like, if you get a chance to, I mean, I figured that was the response, but if you get a chance to, um, I would recommend it. It's much more competitive than you'd expect. Um, it does, it does have some jankiness. Most of that's limited to the rares. Um, the contraption mechanic brings a very board gamey aspect to it. Um, right. But the it's not as ridiculous as a lot of the unglued stuff or unhinged stuff. There's no denim walk or you know any bullshit like that. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's very competitive decks. Like I've played like uh, black green a couple times. Uh, last night I was a, a red white deck. Um, and so there's there's tons of different uh, style decks that you can do um, and still have it be competitive and then have like these out of left field cards that you can or you you know you may or may not play um but for the most part it's it's something that is much more competitive um than i expected it to be and you get the cool lands too so that's kind of the upside as well yeah that's pretty exciting yeah like i mean i just i don't know i just haven't gotten out out of the house to to actually look at stuff do I, uh, fancy things <laughs> since they are silver border most of the people are just kind of trashing the stuff um as far as once they're done with it and i've just been collecting everything um and so there was a, a reddit thread uh going back to you know nightmares uh, there was there's a reddit thread that somebody put together a pretty awesome uh spreadsheet and i'll, I'll link to it um as far as how like what you need to basically set up a cube of unstable um Ooh. and so i just started tracking everything in there um and i like the weird thing is like some of the rares, um, actually a lot of, there's many cards throughout the set, but, um, there's a a handful of them that they're the same card, same casting cost, but completely Mm -hmm. different rules text. Um, and so instead of like having four versions of like Urza's mind with just different art, this is the same card, same name, same cost, uh, same art or some effect. Yeah. Different effects. So there's like very cryptic command has like five different versions. So you have like 20 different things for one spell eventually. Um, and there's like a, an artifact and a couple other enchantments and stuff. Um, so those are like all of those random rares I'm missing. Um, but a lot of the other stuff I've got, so that'll be something just to hold on to and play with. So that'll, it'll be pretty fun, um, to break out kind of a, in like a deck building concept. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I, uh, that sounds very interesting and I could definitely get on board with a cube of that, you know, with friends or something. It just gets hard for me to like get out of the house to play magic with folks that like, I don't know. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's the, the reason for me was having the local shop and knowing the people that I, we had been playing and like talking it up for a while. Like, it's not something I would jump into just go to like a random FM FNM and want to play it with like people I don't know or people that just kind of like a, uh, you know, a pickup group or something. Yeah. But having a, a group there would be good. Uh, I have a feeling we'll be talking video games this week. So there was one question that, that popped up earlier today and I was like, Oh, it's the perfect time to ask Don. Um, based off of our uh, review last week from the last Jedi and, and some of the other stuff. Um, I, I have a really big hankering to go back and play rogue squadron and then I was thinking, I also want to go back and play Shadows of the Empire. Now I have Rogue Squadron 3D uh, through um, uh, through Steam on my my PC, um, and I don't know if what 
the version that that is is Mac compatible or not. So I, I don't remember where I can play it. Um, but if I was going to go get an N64 somewhere and get those games, um, what would be the best way to do that? And then B, what would be the best setup as far as TV-wise to do that? Or is it just a regular HDTV is fine? So what I would actually first recommend is I think didn't Rogue Squadron come out on the PC as well? Uh, it was out on the PC at some point, um, but uh, I mean, I had it in college, and the entire game mm. was like only forty meg. Um, so obviously, what they've released on um, uh, what they've released through Steam has a lot of other uh, like updated video and stuff um, mm. for it to be HD video or three D video or whatever. Um, but just having the the original game in its like original form factor would be like yeah. what I would be going for. I would. So if Ease, ease of ex, ease of accessibility. Um, I, I imagine you probably have a wired 360 controller. Yes. Okay. So, and, and and I imagine you have USB ports on whatever computing devices you have. Yep. So, <laughs> you you never know half the time. <laughs> um. So what I would uh, one of the things you could do would be um, to go to uh, it's Grand Old Games. Or, or GOG, they do a lot of the older uh, older games updated to play on modern computers. Oh, awesome! Uh, but uh, I haven't messed with them too too much. Um, but they've I, I've seen on a lot of the threads or stuff for folks when they get hankerings for old PC games uh, that they uh, that they'll do that. Now, if you're looking to do N64, because you know why not fuck around with an N64? I mean, um, the best thing to do. Um, is to so both. Uh, excuse me, I just um, I just uh, had that bowl of ramen. So. <laughs> you ready for your uh, your uh, post dinner nap? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it came quick. Um, the so uh, in N sixty four, the best ways to usually find those are um, you can go to a uh, like a shop that has them, um, but you're going to be paying a lot of money. Um, so if it's one of those things, if you're not in a super big rush to go out and play it, um, Craigslist is kind of dead offer up. Um, hell you can honestly almost get a decent deal on eBay more than you could in, in an in-person shop. Um, like that kind of stuff, um, to find those if you're not in a super rush to save money on that. The thing with the games, you could actually probably just buy the games, um, at one of those stores because those games should not be expensive. Uh, Shadow of the Empires should be like a freaking five dollar game. Yep. And um, Rogue Squadron should be around seven to ten, I think. That's pretty much the way that I would recommend that. Um, if downloading that stuff on GOG um, doesn't, and their game prices are relatively cheap, they have sales that all the time. Um, if uh, downloading that on GOG doesn't hit the spot for you, um, you know, just yard sales. Hell, I mean, hell, fucking, I think I have a copy of Shadows of the Empires. I don't think I'm ever going to play it. So, like, you know, if, like, if, you know, after after you get your hands on the N64 and all that, um, I can just send that to you. Um, the, as for the connection-wise, as long as there's audio-video, um, you know, your little yellow and red holes and yep, all the, that good the stuff. the red, white, yellow stuff. Yeah. Um, as long as the TV has that, you should be fine. Um, it'll go down to the native, what is, oh my gosh, what is that? 
yeah. It'll be the 480, and then um, it'll the. I'm trying to think of the regular screen dimensions. I think four four three. Is that right? Yeah, I mean that's in most of the yeah. time when those were around, the, the it was all four three, and whereas now it's mostly sixteen by nine. Yeah, so it'll default to four three. Um, so you don't have to worry about it stretching to your TV. Now you can stretch it to your TV like a, like a silly goose, um, which some people do and it's awful. And I do not suggest that. Um, but you can, uh, you can do that. And then, um, now for S video, I think, let me see if there is actual specific, there might be specific S video cards, uh, uh, S video cables. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't messed around with S video in a lot to be fair. Well, let's see. It says right here, it says S video cable 789 on prime. If you have an S video port, then it could probably work pretty well for you. Okay. Um, for, so, and that's an N64 S video cable. Yeah, it actually looks like it's compared. Uh, uh, since the the cable setup is the same from N64, um, GameCube, and N6 uh, Super Nintendo, so it should work. You should be able to get S video on all of those. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. They use that that same plug, that yeah. little flat one with the notch on it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that'll work. Oh, um, no, I, might, I, might, I don't think I have an S video port. Because that's what the only the only time I've ever used S video is uh, back when I was in college and I had my uh, desktop and I was using that to output like using output to the TV. So I would have S video from uh, the computer to uh, to the TV for streaming and using like tuner cards and stuff like that. But I don't think I ever set up S video with a um, with a, a console because it either went straight from the uh, the composite cables the the red uh red white yellow into straight up into i want to say hdmi so um just made that jump from everything yeah like i haven't messed around with it because like i would need to get like i i need to get like a switch or a whatever yep for it and like i don't see myself messing around with s video that much um so you know, it could be cool. I guess some of the systems you actually have to mod them to actually get the output that you want. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I talked about this when I got at the start of the year when I got that top layer. Um, if I want to actually be able to use it like a regular person and not use RF, I gotta fucking cut up the board and solder some shit. I gotta I gotta cut up the case and solder some shit on the board. And I'm not going to do that with a hundred and fifty dollars system. Yeah, I was going to say that, that definitely wouldn't be my the first thing I do with a with an N64 I picked up. But then if I had one and then ended up doing something else, that maybe uh, if I fell into a couple of them and I wanted a side project, that maybe because I have a soldering kit and everything that I would need to do that. Um, I just don't uh, have the desire to jump into that and start soldering anything for uh, something I wouldn't be playing long term on. So, yeah, it's. That's realistically how it goes, to be honest. Like, you get it, and then you're just like, ah, "Do I want to sit down and and actually uh, actually solder this, or do I just want to sit down and watch some, you know, psych?" Yep. And you're like, "Well, I think I'm going to watch some psych." Exactly. 
<laughs> and that's because uh, I'd asked that, and then I because I remember like a lot of the the retro gaming places all have like the CRT tube TVs, and they just hook it up with the 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 component or the composite video and all of that stuff. Um, but I guess that's also probably because they can get their hands on those cheaper than buying new flat screens and stuff like that. Um, and it makes it easier, just kind of cheaper to do that. Um, but then I, cause I have my original PlayStation that I hooked up, uh, probably about two months ago now. Um, and just threw, uh, like, through about 10 minutes into Final Fantasy 7 on the TV and it looked fine and looked normal. I mean obviously it looked uh a little fuzzy and, and pixelated just based on it, it stretching that uh, 43 480 picture to a full, you know, full size uh, 1080 mm-hmm. big screen. Uh, but I mean it, it was the same aspect ratio and all that stuff and it worked well so it wasn't uh horrible or you know supremely distorted um like the when I tried to play the RE2 uh, from PlayStation Two on PlayStation Three, and it was just all polygons, and you could not see shit. So, <laughs> all polygons. Oh my god, what was I? What was I talking about? I, oh, dang it, I, I wrote that somewhere. You, you were mentioning that uh, in the the group Facebook chat about something because that was the the last thing you said <laughs> last night about about something. It was something about get your polygons here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're polygonal. I'm gonna have to go through that chat because it's gonna drive me nuts expansion packs for those which um so your games will run slightly better with one of those um and there's certain games that if you get deep into the n64 you would need that pack for but it's not you're not missing anything yeah i mean when i first got rogue squadron that was when they first started shipping it so that's what i had i had that one with the with that where it was like packaged on the outside of it so i would probably just try to pick that one up again too yeah, those things are a pain in the butt to find. They go for thirty bucks just themselves, just for the expansion pack. Well, we'll see how uh, how effective uh, my Rogue Squadron missions are, and then if I need help uh, getting gold medals, I'll uh, I'll do, make the investment. Yes, yes, if, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, I've got closets full of stuff, so dig through there. I actually usually end up having an extra N64 or two. I just don't have any right now. It's mostly because I haven't gone out looking for uh, yeah. I haven't gone out for anything. Middle of winter, you're not necessarily hopping out for uh, uh, for yard sale on every Saturday. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Like, <laughs> it's like I'll just stay in the you know I'll just stay in the house. I'm not fighting for. I mean, the stuff that I look for. Nia Ham had an N64 game. Um, the stuff that I look for gets kind of tough. Like, I'm not going to come across as much as, like, other things. So it's like, oh, I want to find this. You know, I want to look for these old NES games. And I'm looking for some titles that I don't have. And it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe every time I go out, you know, every fourth time I'm finding a title. Yep. So um, it's really interesting to see, at least with collection, collecting that stuff, that um, it's going a very specific way. So, but yeah, 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 yeah. Other than that, eBay, actually, honestly, eBay is not even that bad either. Cool. That might be something I check out over the next couple of days then, because I'm sure they'll probably have like a post-Christmas eBay sale thing. And depending on, on, uh, what I end up doing in the next couple of days that may be a, a target for me. Yeah, they have a, sometimes they send out a coupon that's like 
fifteen dollars off an order or seventy five dollars or more or something. Yeah. So maybe they're like, you spend your money here on eBay. Oh, here's a coupon. Yeah, our our buddy Jay is always putting that in uh, one of our Facebook chats to whenever there's they're there, so you can get get basically a, it ends up making booster boxes uh, a little bit more reasonable um, and or any of the the high end staples that you need. But that's uh, usually he he posts them there whenever uh, whenever they're effective, and then I always go, yeah, I'll check it out tonight, and then I realize it's the next morning, and I never check it out. <laughs> and then the morning came. And wasn't that a Smash Mouth song? Maybe isn't isn't everything in life just a Smash Mouth song? And that is the title of this episode. There you go. <laughs> so with with that nice uh, nice segue, um, uh, you uh, ready to dish on some of your game of the year stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I have about um, there will be a blog post going up probably. Um, sometime uh after the holiday here um be- hopefully before new year's um i have about half of it done um it just would work um and the fact that i've been my my coworker's been at work still gets a little tough to um you know she's a very sociable person which is nice um but sometimes you know it gets a little tough to write there but um so, yes. So I think I guess we can go over basically the games a little bit. Um, you know, anyone who's been a longtime listener here uh, should not be surprised about any games on this list. Um, so let's see. Um, I did have a list. I was going to actually mention all the game. I think did I actually go through. I might have gone through this at one point, but um, I had access to about 30 new games this year um, that I. I bought like 25-ish, which is insane. Um, So, you know, wide variety of stuff, party games, um, you know, single player, multiplayer stuff, um, you know. So um, the – what I did was basically I narrowed it down to uh, three games that I believe that you should absolutely check out. Um, that were released in 2017 in an honorable mention. Um, we can just start with the uh, honorable mention, um, and that would be Resident Evil 7. Um, I'm liking where this is going. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, I didn't get a, I didn't get a, a, to spend a lot of time with Resident Evil 7, uh, thanks to the uh, <laughs> my uh, uh, susceptibility to motion sickness. <laughs> so. Um, I didn't get to spend a much, uh, much, as much time as I wanted to with it, but I love the fact that Capcom uh, is starting to go back to their roots with that Resident Evil series. Um, the first person was really smart to do that, um, and it's really it does a very good job of building uh, suspense and dread. Um, it's actually one of the one of the most recent Resident Evil games, or one of the most recent recent horror games that I've played that has actually done a very good sense of building that fear, that uh, sense of dread. Um, I didn't uh, get a chance to spend as much time with it, um, but that is definitely if you're a fan of horror games um, and really want to go and uh, have a good have a good scare. And, uh, you know, there's some cumbersome stuff with the game, 
Um, but realistically, the game's like an eight. The game's like an eight seven five. So it's uh, you know it's a very good game. Uh, it's insanely priced right now uh, because it has a. Uh, uh, you can buy the game uh, for twenty dollars with a DLC, depending on which ad is running. Um, <laughs> and that's nuts. Uh, that game is very good. That's worth the price point at twenty bucks. I it's something I would recommend you definitely check out if you're a fan of the series, wanting to see you know that game go back to its roots and 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 give you a good a good fright sense of dread with a few jump scares. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, then I guess one of the games that um, I definitely think is worth checking out this year. Uh, that was released this year is uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, it's a uh, small indie title. Uh, uh, that's the play hour. Uh, the play time is about two and a half hours, and uh, it's a first-person adventure game, uh, which I always have a soft spot for. So I mean, uh, the, the more and I, I mean, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago or a couple of episodes ago when we talked about uh, preferences for gaming and things like that. But I mean, those are more of the games that I'm like I, I see myself being attracted to um, and wanting to play more and more of um, because of lack of time for everything else. I don't care about DLC. I don't care generally for a lot of the way they try to incent you into playing free-to-play games or to like earn currency and an economy and stuff like that so just having a, a single like a time boxed game element that single player action adventure decision making is uh more and more becoming my uh, my go-to style of game yes it's um absolutely uh so and honestly, this game was uh, this was actually the last game to get put on uh, put in this that that list, um, and it was a very interesting experience uh, to try and keep it spoiler spoiler light um, because I, I you know there are some things that you I, I do want to leave um, sort of as a surprise if you do want to if you want to take the time to check it out. Um, it's uh, you it's a first person adventure game where you play. Um, as, uh, Edie and, um, you, uh, basically explore the house that you grew up in and, uh, you, uh, you're, you, a lot of your family, uh, lived in this house and, uh, a lot of your family is dead. So you're basically, um, traveling through, um, your grandmother Edith's uh, memories, um, and the stories that she told about the f- the loved ones that she lost in her family, um, and the first time this was one of those games. So honestly, I sat down and I played it, and was just like, you know, um, okay, because you know, there's a couple times where I wasn't quite sure how to feel about it, um, and. I started to think about it more and more and realizing that, um, the, if it's not the, it's not the, if you view it instead of just experiencing the fantastical and all the crazy ways these people, you know, they, they die, um, instead of start realizing that it's how the grandmother coped with all this tragedy, was for a way for her to to um, basically recess into a fantasy world. Okay. Um, 
it actually becomes really moving. Um, because you, you sit there and you're like, I mean, there are points where you should be like, yeah, I bet that's going to happen. And then it happens and you kind of just go, <laughs> well, okay. Um, but there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of heartbreaking stuff, um, you know, in the game. It's the game's only two and a half hours. It's 20 bucks on PS4. Um, should be 20 bucks on Xbox steam. Um, maybe it might go on sale at some point. It's definitely worth, it's definitely worth looking at, um, just to see this interesting way of this, basically this lonely woman as she copes as her family falls apart around her. And it's a very, very interesting, um, experience. Um, one of the stories you find out about, um, because every you basically play, um, which you you'll find out immediately as you go into it, um, is you basically play each you basically play each family member's death. Okay. Um. So. Um. Which you find out within the first like you know five minutes you jump in the game. <laughs> um. You you know, uh, it's a. Uh, it's definitely an experience to worth. It's definitely a game worth experiencing um, with that kind of thing in mind. I don't want to, you know, um, spoil too much of the too much of the game because ultimately it's a two and a half hour game. Um, whether or not you replay it is basically based on how much of the story you feel that you understood. Um, but. Um, well, and, yeah. and I imagine that, you know, there's not much more than what you've already talked about that you can reveal in that two and a half hour game and not necessarily spoil it or kind of take yeah. a lot of the, the fun or kind of adventure of the game out of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worth, it's worth to check out 20 bucks. Uh, kind of, st- it's, it's one of those weird games where I, I obviously recommend checking it out. Um, but the price point isn't quite right yet i feel like it's like it's it's at 15 bucks it's a you know easy easy kind of sell um but at 20 it's a little tougher but um it's it's definitely worth checking out especially if you're a fan of interesting uses of storytelling and narrative um that is that's a very big that's a very big uh, proponent of it um so the next game that I'm, I've got on that list is uh, Persona Five, which I've obviously talked about in length on this podcast several several times. Um, everything from the art style of this game, um, the sense of urgency with the story. It, sometimes, even though it might even be a little cliched, it does it unabashedly, and it really sells you on its version of cool. And you just, it's such, it's a strange way for a JRPG to have a very immersive world. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of the most successful games that Atlas has put together. Um, and I personally think that, you know, this, it's the best game that Atlas has put out. Okay. Um, so it's actually really interesting this year, uh, as a small side note, to see all these Japanese developers actually start to come back alive and kicking. Um, well, that's what I mean, because I remember Atlas was 
they were, I want to say, one of the original developers. I can't remember if it was developers or production studio for one of the WCW NWO games, I thought, um, or early WWE games of the same era, um, just as as a name, unless I'm confusing or conflating to. Um, But that's a name where, again, yeah, it seems like they've been around for a while and then went dormant, and then now they kind of came back kicking with uh, Persona. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very good game. It's arguably the best game, uh, depending on the Persona fans that you talk to. Um, it's it's they'll say it's the second best Persona if they're a big fan of Persona Four Golden. Um, I, however, as a as a lot of people have a hard time re- uh, going back and playing the older Persona games with how smooth and streamlined Persona Five is. Um, it's a little long in some of the story, but it's not, it's not bad. It's, you know, um, you will, uh, it's definitely a game you want to take your time with. You're going to enjoy, and you're going to have multiple playthroughs out of, uh, I cannot recommend persona five enough. Uh, the price point is fantastic at pretty much any price point that you can pay for it. Um, in the recent memories at $30, that game is a steal. Um, which is about what it's been on sale for through Black Friday and a couple things. Absolute steal for, you know, if you think of hours of entertainment to dollar, mm-hmm. you know, minimum two playthroughs, almost 200 hours. Nice. You know, so, I mean, it's it's a big game. It's um, You can go through it. Uh, the New Game Plus is set up fantastically where it's absolutely balanced. All of your stats roll over. So there's a uh, life life sim management in that um, where you increase your stats through basically increase in re- your relationships. Your relationships reset, but the life managing stats of like you're you know, increasing your charm or knowledge, they roll over from game to game, um, which is quite nice. So you don't have to spend as much time. Uh, you don't have to spend any time focusing on those things. Yeah. So more time with story, more time with doing all the fun, the real fun stuff in the game. Um, and the personas that you unlock all roll over at most of your gear rolls over as well. So it's very, <laughs> it's, uh, in my second playthrough, the first dungeon on the first time I played, uh, the first main dungeon took me about 10 hours. That section of the game. The second time I played through, it took me about four um which was very nice it was a very nice way to uh, meet like it the game doesn't let you get bogged down on a multiplayer playthroughs so i can't i can't recommend that game enough um it's an absolutely fantastic game um very close for game of the year in a lot of different categories and it deserved every single nomination that it got um and of course the final game on this list is uh legend of zelda breath of the wild um, there's a guy at one of the game stops, uh, the, the game stop that I go to that likes to contend that, uh, breath of the wilds over overrated. Um, and he's like, it's a game that sold the console. I'm like, I traditionally, I do not like Zelda. <laughs> I, I own them the same way that you would own a baseball player 
if you collected baseball trading cards, you would own a popular baseball player that you never really liked their career. Yeah, just just to have or just because it is what it is type thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've tried to play him, never really got into him. Tried to play Wind Waker multiple times, never really got into it. Um, I tried to play the Ocarina at a time, never really got into it. Um, what the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild does that its predecessors don't is when Miyamoto actually came up with the concept of that game, he wanted the game to resemble what it felt like playing in your backyard as a kid or playing in the woods. Um, with that sense and idea of exploration and creativity and freedom. Uh, Breath of the Wild uh, isn't just an open world adventure game uh, that does that. It captures all of that down to the finite details. And that's what makes it so much different than other games. Um, the only thing you can, the only thing you can, the only thing that'll stop you in that game is your own imagination. Nice. Um, the, you know, uh, you, you can do things like, um, you obviously harvest things. And so you can go climb up a tree and find bird eggs. Just because it's and there then, and you think you can do it and, hey, look, you can do it. Yep. And it's not every tree because birds don't nest in every tree. It's just, you know, random trees. You can cut the tree down and harvest it for food. Nice. Um, you know, you can hunt in the game, you know. Um, you end up saving random travelers in the game. You do. Uh, you can climb mountains in the game. And the game rewards you for discovering its secrets. That's that's the other big the key is there's so much attention to the details. You can solve puzzles many different ways. There's usually an obvious way to solve the puzzle, but the game's not going to punish you for solving the puzzle in a different way, which is fantastic. Yeah, you um, don't have to basically find the one way of doing something. It's do X and however you can do it in that world the way that they've set it up. I mean, you know, go have fun, go to town type thing as opposed to no, like if you don't do it this way, you're just going to fail type thing. Yep. Yep. It's such a fun, fun experience. And the sense of exploration in that game is insane. The world, it, the game feels enormous. Like I actually reached one boundary of that game. And it literally felt like I went on a journey just to do that. Nice. You know, I pushed a raft a raft out and was able to pass that island, you know, found a shrine and kept pushing and pushing and pushing until I was able to actually reach the boundary and I couldn't go any further. Like, that's cool. It felt like you had to work to like to break it or work to get to a point that you wouldn't you yeah. weren't able to do something. Not like, oh, I want to go do this. And it's like, oh, you can't do that because they didn't think that yep. far ahead. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um and, you know, I, I think it's because it captures that sense of childlike uh, exploration and creativity that it really deserves to be highlighted for this 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 year. Um, it's arguably one of the best games Nintendo has ever put out. OK. Um, Super like so Super Mario Odyssey is good. Um, it is not as good as Breath of the Wild. Um uh, and the thing is that Super Mario Odyssey actually does a lot that Breath of the Wild does as well with the uh, exploration and the moonshine in the moons. Mm -hmm. um, it shines. What is this fucking uh, 
<laughs> Super Mario Sunshine. Um, so it's you know it's a it's just an absolutely fantastic uh, game of exploration and and discovery. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic game. Um, there are some things that don't like. There are the inventory ma- management is kind of clunky. Um, the way to cook in the game is kind of clunky. Um, you know, some people the big <laughs> the big thing that that the the guy at the GameStop that I go to like he likes to bring up uh, is the weapon system, and the weapons break. Right, but which you'd um, expect them to in the real world. Yeah, but I always hearken that game back to that game isn't just a game; it's your in the mind of this child playing in the woods. That's the only way I can describe it. And when you play in the woods or you play outside with a stick that you're pretending to be a sword, what inevitably happens to that stick? It breaks, it breaks after you beat it against a wall or a building or a car or a pole or something. And that's exactly how that's exactly how the weapon durability is in Breath of the Wild. Is that the weapons you can go through weapons quickly. But that's the thing. It's it's okay because you will always find more weapons. Because if you're playing in the woods or playing outside, there's always another stick. And like that's what like i mean that's the kind of thing i mean that's the level of detail and dedication to that experience that nintendo showed uh, for miyamoto's original goal of the legend of zelda um and it's just i mean that's nuts like the game is the game is so good it's available on the wii u and it's available on the switch if you have either of those systems it is a must own uh, there are very small differences between gameplay, nothing major, um, and they actually stripped out a lot of functionality from the Wii U version, it looks like, to make sure the Switch version sold. So um, there's just so much. There's just so much in that game. They stripped out stuff from Wii Oh, so, okay, so they made, yeah. they made the Wii U version less functional so that there was more function in the Switch version? So they basically... There's stuff where if you look at the... Like item management, item management makes sense if there's a touch screen. Okay. And item management makes a heck of a lot of sense if it shows up on another screen and not the main screen. Okay. That's the kind of stuff where it's like, you know, it it's the same screen whether or not, you know, you don't get any additional bonuses from the dual screen of the Wii U. Um, it's kind of a bummer, you know, but... They did it because they wanted those games to be an even footing. Um, the from what I understand is that the Switch version plays just a teeny teeny bit better, but not by much. Okay, cool. Um, absolutely worth, absolutely worth checking out. I mean, I know um, other people uh, that have both versions, or I know of people that have a, the version each, um, and. Uh, I mean, there's no one that that says like, "Oh, this game is just okay" or whatever. I mean, the people who have it on the Wii U love it. The people that have it on uh, the Switch love it too. So, I mean, I think everybody's kind of on board with the the same one there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's 
it's it's one heck of a game, and I I would recommend it um, um, to anybody. Those four games, I would definitely recommend checking out. Um, you know, they're just they're really good. This year in gaming has been absolutely insane. Um, now there have been some stinkers this year. Um, I argue, arguably the worst game I think I actually got my hands on this year was Drawn to Death. Okay, that's another one I've heard of, but I haven't actually dug much into it. Uh, Drawn to Death. Uh, it was available on the PS4 as one of their free games, and it's basically a like third person shooter, I think. Um, but it's basically the aesthetic of it looks like it's all drawn on notebook paper. It's just not, it's not good. (laughs) Okay. Um, it's just not good. Um, not interesting. It's just kind of meh. Um, and honestly, I was actually looking through reviews. Um, and that game did not get great reviews. (laughs) It did not, and I'm like, I can totally see why, because it wasn't anything exciting. It wasn't, I mean, I didn't spend a ton of ton of time with it, because it was very disappointing just to actually get my hands on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much the breakdown of uh, games this year. Um, when we get the blog post up, I do plan on having... Um, the list of all the new games that I was actually able to get access to this year. So it's not just like, Oh, he only played four games this year. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It'll be a a pretty uh, extensive uh, list throughout there then. Yeah. So, um, they won't be, you know, each one, you know, try to assign some scores or not. I haven't decided yet, but, um, but there'll be, you know, a little bit more in depth write ups on those, uh, four games. Three, uh, and the three and the three actual games, and then we'll see what happens with uh, uh, Resident Evil Seven. Awesome. Um, so there's there's two things I've learned so far. So while we've been doing this and while we've we've recorded, um, it was dangerous for me to go back to to Steam now to check to see what the support was for uh, Rogue Squadron 3D um, because now I will be end up buying uh, Age of Mythology since it's seventy five percent off and only eight dollars, um, <laughs> and that's that's playable on uh, my uh, work uh, Windows based Ultrabook. Uh, so when I travel with that, I'll have something to to play there. Um, since uh, I love building up everything and then just destroying uh, people in uh, single uh, computer-based uh, RTSs. Um, and then going back to another conversation that we had uh, not too long ago, um, when you mentioned that Psych was available on Prime TV, uh, I didn't really know what all was available on Prime TV thanks to the horrible interface of the Fire TV in getting into the Amazon <laughs> content. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I've seen, I saw Psych is on there, Justified is on there, Suits is on there, The Wire is on there, True Blood is on there, and Generation Kill is on there, which it's only one season, but it's still a, a great uh, miniseries. Um, and all of those are things that I've I've basically been looking for on Netflix or other streaming services, but they've been under my nose the entire time and, you know, something we've been paying for and didn't even know. Um, so most of these I've been telling Amanda that, that are, these are ones that she can get into or, or start watching. Um, so this is, again, kind of like a, a Christmas came early thing for uh, something that's there. And if uh, 
you know, if anybody from Amazon is listening, which I highly doubt, um, but you know, the kind of the whole UX experience of the Fire TV uh, should really make it easier to show people what contents there, as opposed to uh, needing to go through the website to add it to the watch list to then be able to watch it or know of it and find it. So, um, I mean, at least this was fruitful in many ways for for me then. Yeah, the uh, uh, excuse me. So the only way I can actually find content on the Fire Stick is that I literally just have to tell Alexa what I want to watch. Yep. Um, I'm like, I want to like, please show me this, and it's like, here you go. And I'm like, yay, I did it. I'm watching. I'm watching a TV now, and that's pretty much it. Like the actual interface itself isn't great. It's very confusing. Um, it took me a hot minute to try and figure out how to actually start adding like additional apps to it. Yep. Um, but you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, I just really been enjoying psych, man. I tell you, I watched, ended up watching the, I think psych just got an Amazon prime too. Like, I don't know how often they get new content, but like that just showed up. I feel like there's a couple of, uh, kind of like the general, um, pop culture ones that I, uh, I watch based off of, or, or a couple pop culture feeds that I follow on Facebook based off of Comic-Con and things like that. Um, and there's a couple there that do like a monthly, uh, what's, what's entering and leaving the, the popular streaming services and stuff like that. Um, so I, I guess I could pay more attention to that. Um, but I usually just, as with everything on Facebook, you read the headline and then become, uh, emboldened by exactly what the headline says and don't need to click on anything else to actually read it. Um, so, <laughs> that is uh, correct. so uh, unless it's in the headline, I don't usually pay attention to that, but now that I know that there's a, a actual wealth of stuff in here, uh, for kind of the, the prime TV stuff, I may actually start paying attention to those. Yeah, pretty much. Like it was just a happy little, happy little accident. I've been jonesing to watch it too. And, um, it was very exciting to see that because I was able to watch the, uh, psych movie. Yep. And, um, you know, not too bad. There, um, yeah. There were a couple high points in it for me overall. I mean, uh, it was a little overhyped for me. Um, but I mean, yeah. there were a couple funny points and some of the things I liked, but, um, then some of the stuff that was just random, but other than that, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Like, um, there are points where you're like, yeah, you're watching psych again. And then it's like, all right, where's, this is still a movie. Let's, it's it's not a long episode of Psych. Yeah, Let's exactly. Like, that's yeah. that. that I, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength there because that's exactly how I felt watching it. So afterwards, it was like I just watched a really long episode of Psych, and there was really not much else that I needed to do in there. But um, yeah, it, it it felt like they kind of stretched it out a little bit, or there were just a lot of like randomness to to get it going to a full uh, uh full movie length. But uh, I mean. Again, as I've always said with like all the superhero movies, I'm glad that they're still putting money into that content, so I can't complain. Yes, and to be fair, in their defense of that, apparently they had major rewrites um, because Timothy, uh, who, who plays Carlton, who plays Lassie, actor, yeah. yeah, he had a stroke okay. right before filming, so... Um, they literally, I guess I was reading an article, like they literally had to rewrite the script in like three days. I mean, I knew he did have a stroke and that's why I, I knew that the, the cameo he does have, um, was kind of a shout out to that, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't go back and look to see exactly how that, uh, uh, affected it. Um, but, uh, I mean that, that does make sense. Yeah. And that's definitely what it feels like. It's like, well, we said we were going to get out of this movie. We've already kind of paid for it. You know, let's get it out kind of thing. And you know, it's. Um, so I really, I'm really interested to see that original script. 
um, to see that movie, mm-hmm. the original, the original script of that. Cause I mean, that real, real talk. Like I've been watching these, some of the, through these seasons again, he's like one of my favorite characters. Like whenever they decide to actually give him like some kind of character development, mm-hmm. it's always hilarious. Because he's such a weird dude. Yeah, I mean, those are some of the best episodes when you were dealing with him in the the later seasons, uh, dating and eventually marrying, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Original Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the movies. Uh, Christy Swanson. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Where uh, where she's the the convict and then they fall in love and get married and all of that stuff. Uh, So, I mean, some some of the episodes that revolve around him are some of the some of the funniest. And then that, you know, takes the light off of Sean to be the the main kind of courier of plot um, and lets him kind of do some of the uh, some of the, the side jester stuff, which is pretty funny. Yeah, I, I did the the old Sonora episode just kills me because there's a line in that where Sean's like, why aren't you excited to be in the old West? And Gus just looks at him and he's like, my people don't reflect this uh, reflect on this time as fondly as yours. Yeah. Do. <laughs> <laughs> he said like real talk, like they give him some absolutely insane lines <laughs> that like. Like that are just like total flyover lines, and half the time I see it, I can't just help think of uh, Hill's character in Ballers. Yep, exactly. That's where like they're they're two complete juxtapositions where that's where he's just a straight man to to Sean's like wackiness or the jester again. Um, but then like when I see hit that character deliver like lines in Ballers, I'm thinking of Gus. But then it's like Gus <laughs> Gus like trying to be a badass, and it it just makes it, it even better. It, evil Gus evil gus that's pretty much what i basically call it when he in ballers i'm like oh snap it's evil gus and he's yelling at that kid <laughs> like, oh my gosh it's that's pretty much it like oh god that's so funny there's so many so many flyover lines um yeah it's yeah it's it's really interesting going back and watching that because i really i almost want to say um back at the usa pitch factory um, which is take a weird thing and make it not weird, you know, or it's like take this, these two random things and mash them together mm-hmm. or um, take a thing and flip the antithesis of the thing. And uh, which is basically how they pitched a lot of their shows from, you know, 2005 to 2011. Um, but I want to say it's arguably one of the most successful shows they've had. Co- they had come out of that. Um you had so okay. You have shows like Burn Notice, which the premise is spy, not spy. Yep. Um, then you've got um, you know Psych, Psychic Detective, not Psychic Detective, just Detective. Um, and then you've got uh, oh god, the the Doctor one, uh, Royal Pains. Yes, Royal Pains, which is not Doc Doctor, not, not Doctor. doctor. Doctor, yeah. Then you've got Suits, which is lawyer, not lawyer. <laughs> um, which is basically how they pitch all of their shows, is you take some random thing and be like, you're not this, but you are this. But in the context of the show, you're 100% this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how they pitch. So, like, you could literally take anything, anything, and that's how you pitch it. Like, dentist, not dentist, pretending to be a dentist. 
there you go. We just pitched and we call it we call it holes. <laughs> and there we go. We like we just pitched a USA show. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I think we basically just you know redo uh, the whole nine yards for TV, and that's the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I I, I do want to say out of that because there's there's most likely others that got um <sighs> that got released in that pitch series, um. And I honestly want to say that I think Psych is the most successful of those. I mean, Suits is still going, but I think that was also um, like it was the whole creative team at Psych that was just like, yeah, let's wrap it here um, as opposed to keep going. Uh, And so, I mean, I have no idea. And this is, you know, saying it without any of the idea of of ratings numbers or anything like that. Uh, But just knowing what the like some of the conversation was and like Comic-Con panels and things like that. Um, But I I think that was one where they just kind of wanted to go out on a high note. Um, And then as opposed to just keep going, because I think it was one of the more popular ones. And it's definitely one of the um, more prevalent series on social media. Um, And so it was something where. kind of just went out and let some of the characters move on or let some of the actors move on. Um, But I I still think it was definitely uh, one of the, uh, I'd agree. It's probably one of the more successful ones in that, in that period. I think what they, they do a very good job of with that show is they do a very good job of making uh, of generically, we can just call it the monster of the week plot. Oh, exactly. A hundred percent. And they do a very good job of doing that but allowing each episode to feel different. So it's like what it is, is like you get the hilarity of those, those goobers and costumes, especially in like the later seasons where they're like, Oh, we're going to infiltrate an army base. And somehow within 10 minutes of TV time, they are now in army fatigues, like bad army fatigue without alerting anyone or causing anyone (laughs) cause for alarm or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, just the 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 equivalent of it is basically like if you were to take like an RPG, Sean is basically the character of Sean is basically like you take an RPG character and you max out their charisma and you just give them weighted dice. That is that is the most amazing <laughs> way of putting it. That that's exactly what I like. I never thought of it, but that's exactly what it is. Or I mean, it's like like every time if you were playing like the old school like Knights of the Old Republic type stuff, and all you went was was like the the you know light side jedi mind trick uh thing <laughs> yeah like that's exactly what you were trying to do every time and that's exactly what sean's doing there yeah like because i mean some of the dialogue for the first of all the dialogue in these like in the show is not you know we're, we're not we've got very simple storytelling but like the dialogue like the reactions is literally what would happen if somebody was just so outlandish no one could ever say no to them and because like there are episodes where he's trying to get information from somebody and he's just like Zanzibar Twinkie screwdrivers, and then the guy's like, "Oh, this is what you need to know." Like, <laughs> it's just so, just so bananas and so zany. There's you really good job of like capturing zany in, in that. So I, I mean, I think that should just about wrap it up this week. I mean, we'll keep it short and sweet, um, just to to get this done. Uh, I'll look to actually. Uh, 
now that I have a more reliable recording solution for the secondary track, um, and it won't take four hours to produce it, um, this should actually be able to, to be a, uh, um, a very much a, a Christmas present and get it out on Monday. Uh, so Ooh. we can be very topical that way. Um, similar to, uh, where tell them Steve Dave has always done their uh, their Christmas episodes on Black Friday, although this year's is a little bit delayed. Um, that could be something where if it you know keeps going to to get some out uh, on the holidays there, which shouldn't be too bad. So, yep, I uh, I know I got actually get, I got to pack up all this stuff and get ready for work for tomorrow. I um I, I have a I have a sweet four hour shift, and uh, so I've just decided I'm going to bring all of the stuff that I need to wrap and just bring it and do it at work. I mean, based on where you're going to work, that seems like probably the best possible solution. So I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, you know, try try to overthink that one. I, th- I think you've got the uh, the optimal solution there. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess this is pretty much about it for us to sign off here. So, so uh, uh, just wanted to wish our listeners happy holidays, Merry Christmas, um, and uh, I mean it's been a good year. I, I didn't think. Uh, We'd hit 30 episodes this year when we started back uh, in January, February. Uh, but, uh, yep. I mean, it's been a fun run. We're, we're, I mean, uh, as as busy as I am, uh, and uh, I know it uh, brings a, a little bit of uh, uh, routine to, to some of that and just being able to, to hit the topics that we want to talk about or at least, you know, dedicate that, that hour uh, each yep. week to, to touch base on things. So it always feels good to, to circle back and, and – you know, just sit here and, and shoot the shit. So, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for, for the podcast, thankful for how, uh, how, how much we've delved into things this year. Um, and looking forward to see uh, what we can do with that next year. Yep. Likewise. Like, you know, I appreciate everybody listening it's been fun. Um, you know, a podcast is something I've been wanting to do and just finding folks that actually want to keep up and keep doing it. So, you know, yeah, you know, we appreciate you guys listening, listening. We love to, you know, we love to hear from you guys. Um, working on, you know, cause one of the things I know you would agree with is that, you know, uh, we definitely would want our, our listener base to have a sense of community. So, um, you know, I would just, I imagine that, and you know, that's one of the things I want to, you know, want to encourage. So. Uh, absolutely. And, and I know we, uh, we, we definitely don't plug the social media handles as often as we should. So, uh, I guess, uh, I can start putting those in each of the episode pages since, uh, uh, it shouldn't be a scavenger hunt to, to find out where the hell we are getting in contact with us. Uh, but I mean, we can do that, you know, on, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, and I mean, just, you know, from the, the show site, Rick and Don.com, uh, I mean, there's plenty of ways to get a hold of us that way. And then we can just uh, keep going from there. So, uh, I'm looking yep. to, to grow this thing into 2018 and see where it takes us. Yep. Mic drop. Please listen carefully.